Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We are very excited to be with you this week because, man, we got lots to talk about. BYU is doing very well in lots of sports, but we also have to talk about one in which BYU lost. To stick with us to talk about BYU volleyball, soccer, and a lot about BYU football. We got week four college football to recap, week five college football to pre- preview and talk about, and a lot more football to discuss. This is going to be a lot of fun. Make sure that you are tuned in and that you are sharing the episodes with your friends. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal2RoyalPod, where you'll find lots of fun and interactive content. On Thursday, make sure you run to Loyal2RoyalPod.com to find Jared's Weekend Watch Guide. Without further ado, let's get to it. Let's boo. Go Tigers. But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over here! That's right! Let's back this booler. Yeah! Ah! Let's go wild, let's man. Go, baby. Let's go. Jared, you were so loud that your that your mic went up and then down. <laughs> that was beautiful. Welcome, welcome. Yes, uh, we are here again. We are trying out new things to try and make this Zoom recording work. So bear with us. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll be fine today, I'm sure. Uh, but if we have a lot to get trying, through. So... You suck. So we're, we don't suck. We're trying. Yes, we are trying very much. So um, let's get into things. Let's just kick it off with some housekeeping, and we do have a little bit to get to today. Oh, heck yeah. While this is mainly a football podcast, there are other sports going on right now, and we're freaking kicking butt and taking names in those other sports. So we do want to give a quick shout out, first off, to BYU Women's Volleyball, who took down number 20 Houston at home, 3-0, and number 18 Baylor at home, 3-0. Two straight sweeps of ranked teams for our women's volleyball team. That's awesome. They're playing very, very well. Uh, They go to Texas Thursday and Friday of this week. Texas is number 10, but they are the reigning national champs, reigning big 12 champs. Uh, This is their conference. They've run it for the last long time, Uh, but our now number nine Cougars will go to their house, try and stake our claim that this is our big 12 now. Heck yeah, we got a top 10 matchup in Austin, something that might be happening again in October. Let's go! (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. It's possible. Uh, Yes, technically it still is. Anything is possible. It's college football, baby. Anyway, that's enough college football for now. Let's get to BYU women's soccer, who also had a pretty productive week. Yeah, uh, I mean, they took down Baylor 4-0 in Waco, and then the other half of their road trip, they took down number 14, Texas, uh, 3-2. So, I mean, they're playing awesome. Uh, This is what they do, right? This is what they do. Uh, These Big 12 matches are a little bit more uh, of a challenge for them, but it's good to see that we're still coming out on top, beating Texas in Austin 3-2. That's huge. That's awesome. So, uh, very, very excited for the girls. Uh, They'll be back home. 
Uh, I think they play Cincinnati this week. Uh, so shout out to the women's soccer team. They're playing amazing. Our women's soccer and women's volleyball teams are incredible this year. Uh, very, very fun to see them step into the Big 12 and get things started with a bang, uh, unlike some other schools that we'll get to a little bit later uh, or some other programs. But shout out to the girls. They're really carrying the torch for BYU right now. Oh, heck yeah. Next up. And I know we we said we have said in the past that this sport does not exist until we acknowledge it, until it is past bowl season. However, we are giving a temporary pass to BYU basketball, who just dropped their schedule. Jared, do you care, or are you on a hard BYU basketball fast until after bowl season? Very hard fast until after bowl season. Um, I there's. I know that I will get into it and I will get more excited as it comes along. But right now I can't even, it doesn't even like cross my radar at all. Like I didn't even know about this until we were going through the show notes about half an hour ago. Um, I'm looking at their, their release photos right now. And there's some really weird stuff. They look like straight off of an EFY slash steak dance poster. Um, Not too jazzed about that. Uh, I'm trying to look for some interesting notes here, but we just play a lot of good teams and we don't really have a good team. Uh, I've got one interesting note for you. Yes, I would love to hear it. In the entirety, the entirety of BYU's non-conference schedule, we only have one scheduled true away game. Whoa. And that is at Utah. So even that will most likely be a home game because Utah can't fill its own stadium. So BYU does not have a single true away game the entire non-conference. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Um, very interesting. I, I, I just don't know what to think. I can't think about basketball right now. I just can't do it. It's not on the radar. We're not even a full month into football season yet. I, I don't know. I just can't do it yet. Something interesting that I am trying to pull from this because our listeners probably want to hear at least something, right? Um, BYU will have a lot of basketball games on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. There will be mm-hmm. a great deal of games on ESPN+. Plus. So don't uh, – this isn't going to be like the WCC where it's on Stadium or some other just free Twitch stream. Uh, it's actually going to be – on ESPN Plus, you're going to have to pay to get it. There's only a couple of games that are actually on national television. You have the tournament that we're in over Thanksgiving break. That will be on ESPN2. You have the Cincinnati game, the home opener. That one will be on 2 or U. And then you have Texas Tech at away, Texas at home, Kansas State at home, and Baylor at home. Those are the only games right now that are on linear. So if you want to watch BLU basketball this season, you are going to have to get ESPN plus because 85% of the games will be on the past the paywall on ESPN plus. Yeah. And that could change if BYU has a phenomenal year, they could get more games on linear. If they have a terrible year, they can get less games on linear, which of those two is more likely. We'll save that discussion for after bowl season. (laughs) Yes, we will. We will do our first college basketball look in after the national championship game. Um, Speaking of national championship games, I have a conspiracy theory. 
I'm very excited. And I want to know what you think of it. Dan Lanning. Ooh, the either Champion. the evil Southern frat boy. The evil Southern frat boy. There has been a lot of hype over Dan Lanning. Very young defensive coordinator at Georgia that mounted one of the most impressive defensive dynasties in the history of the sport. He then moves to Oregon, takes over a program that's okay, and is turning it into an elite program that's winning a lot of football games. We'll see if they can get over the Utah hump this year, but my hump tells me they will. (laughs) There is no denying that Dan Lanning is a good coach. We have also been theorizing, right, that Nick Saban, this is his last year. My conspiracy theory is thus. Dan Lanning will take over in Tuscaloosa. Just as Nick Saban's full dynasty had to be overthrown by one of his old assistants, the only way Kirby Smart's dynasty can be overthrown is by one of his old assistants at Georgia and the, and the SEC dynasty becomes one full circle. It's like the pride cycle in the Book of Mormon. This is what's going to happen. That's my conspiracy theory. That is a wild theory. I, uh, I'm i not sure. I, I want to believe it because that would be very funny, but I don't want to believe it because I don't want the SEC to be the next dynasty powerhouse. I I don't want to be all in the SEC. Uh, I would love it if he stayed at Oregon and there became like a Big Ten circle dynasty of of awesomeness. Um, you know, uh, Oregon, that storied, you know, Big Ten program. Um, that's very interesting. Dan Lanning has been getting a lot of uh, respect lately. I mean, Oregon is very, very good. They absolutely beat the balls off of Colorado this weekend. We'll get to that later. Uh I could definitely see him going back to the South and, and taking over for, for a big program like Alabama. Those evil Southern frats, they're calling him. They are. And he just cannot wait to toss those dice and to beer that pong. <laughs> uh, it would be a very, very different dynasty than Saban, though. Um, he is very, very not Saban-esque. He's very loud mouthed and and expressive and just very not like Saban at all so that'd be very very interesting to watch yeah no that would be extremely interesting to watch um well we just want to give a quick shout out as well to finish off our little housekeeping segment to our boy Matt um Matt I know you're listening to this right now he was a punter for sorry a punter why did I even say that Matt's gonna kill me he worked with the punter (laughs) He was the long snapper for BYU back in the day. One of the best long snappers in BYU history. Might I say the best and our favorite long snapper. He gave us a shout out on Twitter. He's a great guy. Make sure you follow him on Twitter and on any of his other social media platforms. You can find him there. Find Matt. He's the best. We love you, Matt. We love you, Matt. Uh, Long snapper, definitely more important than the punter. Uh, So shout out to him. Oh, I do want to give a quick ad, though. That just reminded me. Ooh. He texted me a whole spiel regarding your comments last week, Jared, of the holder needing to be a specialist rather than the punter. I'm excited to hear this. He says, and I quote, 
It's because you want to ensure that the operation is smooth between the long snapper and the kicker, and the ball is being placed in a specific spot and specific way every time. So it helps to have someone who kicks or punts because they understand the science behind that better. Mm. And this being the holder and the kicker as well. Makes sense. You also don't want to take a chance on a QB running back or wide receiver getting kicked in the hand. As a long snapper, I need the holder to catch the ball in the exact same spot every time to make sure the laces are rotating the same exact every snap. And a non-specialist will typically reach for the ball like a wide receiver, which can throw that off. And they have a tendency to trap the ball if it's a little low, which can throw the whole operation off. That is very interesting. That is the kind of inside knowledge that we love. That is yes. so, that that is very very cool. I uh, that I had no idea that it was that intensive an operation that the the spirals the rotations had to be at the same spot and you can't go get the ball you have to let it come to you hold it at the angle. That's wow. That blows my mind that that much goes into it. I never would have thought it was that. That's crazy. Yeah, shout out to Matt. We love you, Matt. Best long snapper ever. That's that's awesome. I uh, walk back my uh, take. Now, my new take is that the holders and specialists holding need to do extra conditioning so that they can run faster when their fake is called. <laughs> That's my new take. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but see that we're on football now. It always, it always comes full circle. We always make our way back to football. It is football talking time. And unfortunately, we have to talk about an L. Um, let, I, I'm very excited to get to this. Uh, let's let, let's do our knee jerk and our after letting it stew because I think they're going to be very different this time. I feel like mm. I feel like there's going to be some things that are same. I don't know. I'm much more interested to hear the after letting it stew in comparison to the knee jerk this time. Uh, so let's just kick it off. I mean, Justin, take it away. 38-27. What was your knee jerk? My knee jerk reaction was this: um, We should be banned from playing football after that display of a quote-unquote running game. Um, are there any collegiate seven-on-seven seven leagues that we could join? Maybe, because I think we'd do pretty good in that. We could. <laughs> um, has anyone heard from Parker Kingston? Does anyone know that he's alive? Um, Let's hope so. Hope and pray. <laughs> my knee-jerk reaction after Southern Utah included, Zam, Parker Kingston. Again, Zam, Parker Kingston. <laughs> Same words, different tone. Um, I thought of a new nickname for our offensive line. Okay. I'm going to call them the Dyson. The Dyson? As in Dyson vacuums because they suck. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. They're, they're Dyson because they suck. They suck like a vacuum. Do. What was your knee-jerk, Jared? Oh, oh. Heaven help us. <laughs> um we are pitiful. We are disgusting. We are revolting to the eyes. Um, so I, like I said, we, we had prior engagements. I at work, you with your football game. I got done with work. Luckily it was a sweep in the volleyball game. So I got to watch the second half. Um, it was, it was halftime when I was done. I'm texting my uncles. I'm getting the scoop, talking to my brother and my dad, you know, getting the scoop on whatever it is. And it was like, Hey, there's this really bad call, like Parker Kingston got targeted and speared right in the face and they didn't call anything, you know, and then they picked it up and ran it back for six. 
And so I'm like, okay, like vibes are pretty good then. Like we're up three after gifting them, you know, uh, what should or shouldn't have been a free seven points, right? So I'm like, okay, vibes are great. First play, like it, am I mistaken? It was the very first play from scrimmage of the second half. It was a pick six. Uh, very, very no, bad. No, not quite. Not was it- quite. It was the first play was a dropped pick six. It would have been a pick six had the guy caught it. Gotcha. It was the third play that was actually the pick six. It was the third. That's right. Yeah. Um, despicable. Uh, so, and then after that, we absolutely fell apart. Um, my knee jerk reaction is that we're not winning another game at the Big 12. We suck balls. We are terrible. Our offense is pathetic. Our running back, like, I, I like your uh, Dyson um, nickname for the offensive line because mine was going to be the shit storm. So I think Dyson is a little more appropriate. <laughs> um, it, we, we suck. We're terrible. Like we, there was nothing good about the, like anything I watched in the second half. There was nothing good about it. That clock management was horrible. We came out of a three and a half minute timeout, like a media timeout. And our guys are looking on the, like on the field, like, Oh, what is a football? And so we have to call another timeout. And then finally, after seven minutes, we scored. Uh, we got a play call in on time. I, I had zero good things to say about the BYU football program. Like, that was my knee-jerk reaction. On Saturday, it was a very, very low, low point in my life. It was almost like the Oregon game, right? Except this time, it wasn't just a lack of effort. It was just a lack of competency, which I don't know if it's worse. It's it there. I, I feel like there's a little bit more hope that it can be resolved uh, somehow because our guys are trying. Like they look like they're trying, except for Isaac Rex who never looks like he's trying. Um, but it, it, it just looked like we're just a bunch of headless chickens running around, like bumping into each other. Like the illegal touching. Are you kidding me again? Crumple it again. up. throw it away oh my bollocks that was bad um yeah so that was my knee jerk just bad yeah 100 of the illegal touching penalties are because isaac rex touched the ball so isaac rex needs to be looking to the outside sideline and needs to be like looking at his wide receiver saying step back step back it's the fourth week it's happened in a row on the same play what are we doing? Speaking, dude, I don't know. I, I don't know. But speaking of things that keep happening, this is something that you just brought to my attention. I was thinking of like the timeout thing, right? It was a media timeout. And then all of a sudden we try to run a play and then there's another timeout. Boom, another media timeout. It took forever. Why is it that we can never figure out how to get a play call in on time? Why is it that whenever we get to, I don't know, being down three with like a minute and a half left or something, there's no chance of us coming back because we only have one timeout left because we spent two of them trying to avoid delay of game penalties. Why? This has happened every single week. Why? Why? It is so frustrating, and I don't know why. There, there has to be – it's like we're using smoke signals to get the play call in. It's disgusting, and it happens – it's like the first quarter and the third quarter. We have two timeouts gone in 90 seconds. It's ridiculous. It's – uh-huh. It's absurd. Um, and that brings me to another point, which is just play calling in general. 
Like, I feel like there's no rhythm to the offense. I feel like it's like, like there's no rhythm. And when there is rhythm, the it's run on first down for negative two yards. And then we punt like that's, that's what it feels like. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like there's any rhythm. It doesn't feel like King Slovis is in any sort of a rhythm. Our wide receivers aren't, aren't trying. Like, I, I don't understand what it is, but our offense is just completely out of sync. And I don't know, I guess it could be something other than the play calling. Like it could be a culture issue or a buy-in issue, but it just feels like there's no rhythm. There's no sync. There's no, like, there's nothing that you can count on in this offense. Like I, I just, I can't trust anything in this offense. There's nothing that I can put my, my weight into and, and my trust in. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily anything like buy-in or even play calling. Like I feel like Aaron Roderick, has some good play designs and the first half was really well done. Like we, we moved the ball in the first half. We did what we needed to do. Um, I think it's more of an issue of when you have no run game and the defense knows that and can put three people in the box and drop eight <laughs> without having to worry that they'll give up even a yard per carry in the run game. It makes your life, as an offensive play caller and as a quarterback, absolute help because you get no help from anywhere else. You can't keep the defense honest with play action because they're just sending three guys anyway. Their linebackers don't need to step up because the defensive linemen are already making the tackles in the backfield. The corners don't have to step up because the one defensive end they have that covers both sides of the ball can cover both sides of the ball efficiently without their help because our offensive line is Dyson. It is dicey. I don't know. I think that's that's what you can attribute to our struggles is the fact that if you have no run game in football, there's nothing else you can do. I, at the end of the day, it is as simple as that. You still have to run the damn ball or you can't play the damn game. It's it's mm-hmm. so simple. Um, I I want to talk about our defense for a second as well because – in the first half, holding Kansas to only seven offensive points, it, it, it's fine, right? Like, that's that's great. You should be able to win a game if you do that. We knew that Kansas was going to get theirs in the second half. Like, you just know that it's going to come. And it did. I, I'm not exactly, like, lower on the defense now because I, if we look at it, they scored 38 points and 14 of it came from our offense. Right. So they, we, our defense allowed 24 score, uh, 24 points, three scores. Right. And I think that's good enough to win, especially in the big 12. Like, I think if you hold your opponent to 24 points, most times you should be able to win that game. Um, But it was still really frustrating to watch the end of the game. And just, we couldn't get a stop. We, we let him march all the way down the field late in the game. It, you know, that final drive that just took it out. Like we were down eight and we let him go all the way down the field and kick a field goal with like a minute left. It, it was just, it was frustrating to watch. We saw the drop eight again on third and long and guess what? They got it. Like, I don't know. And then not forcing a single turnover. Uh, that, that was frustrating to me too. I said on the last podcast, you would have to score touchdowns in the red zone and you'd have to force turnovers. We didn't do either of them and we lost. I, I don't know. What were your feelings on the defense though? Because I think we know the offense is really bad. What were your takeaways on the defensive side of the ball? No, I, I, I completely agree with you. There was, um, there's no reason to be super concerned about our defense. Our defense played about as good as a game as you can. 
Kansas's offense is hard to defend. It's like a widespread shotgun, triple option, RPO kind of thing. It takes advantage of rules in college football that are different from the pro to make it the most efficient offense possible. Like it is, it's an extremely well done offense when it is well coached and when it is executed correctly and Kansas executes it correctly. That's what Lance Leipold does. So the fact that they were running all over us in the second half, I don't like, like you got to be mentally tough, right? But imagine you're on defense, right? You come out at halftime and you're sitting on the sideline. The first thing you see is your quarterback almost throw a pick six. The next thing you see is your quarterback actually throw a pick six (laughs) and you're going onto the field and they're running the football. Like that's demoralizing, right? That takes a lot of energy out of you. And in the second half, we had guys like Ben Bywater cycling out because they got banged up. You had guys like our safeties, and we're already very thin at safety, having to get subbed out because they were hurt. I, I mean, I maybe you know something I don't, Jared, but Max Tooley was nowhere to be found during that game. Like He had four total tackles, which is, I guess, something. But Ben Bywater came out for a while, and he had 10. Like, I don't, Bywater and Vongpachan were our contributing linebackers. Max Tooley was nowhere to be found. So that can be attributed, in my opinion, to just being tired in the second half, to a demoralizing start to the second half. But it's not like they, you know, it's not like they absolutely sucked in the second half. They did, you know, they, they did what they needed to do. BYU's offense just couldn't capitalize. Yeah. So, I don't, that, that's my take. I think BYU's defense is still okay. I think that things will be okay. Uh, there was an interview with Harrison Taggart after practice today. Uh, if you guys don't know Harrison Taggart, uh, he's he's on the team, just transferred from Oregon, four-star linebacker. He is saying that Jay Hill and the other defensive coaches are more intense right now than they've ever been. Like, they do not want to give up more points. So, I don't know. I think we will see steady improvement from the BYU defense. I don't think that you need to throw the baby out with the bathwater yet. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I love just that imagery of just whoosh, wing. Um, <laughs> no, I I agree. I I think given the situation our defense is in, given the situation that Jay Hill took over, we can't be mad. We can't be mad. Yes, we'd love to get more turnovers, and I'm glad that they're still angry and fiery, right? Because that's what BYU needs more of is that fire. Uh, But like you said, I don't think it's something that we necessarily need to be concerned about, especially given the way our offense has played. Um, Let's move into after letting it stew. A couple days later, what are we, five days removed or three days removed? Uh, How are you feeling now? Uh, I mean, for me, BYU is three and one after their first four games. I think if you would have told me that beginning of the season, like take that or the field, I would a hundred percent have taken three and one. Like I didn't, I didn't think we would get, I think we'd be two at two at this point. So the fact that we are three and one, I think is a good sign. Like I, it's better than we thought. And I think it gives us a better chance at going bowling um, obviously than if we are two and two, but looking at it from like the 10,000 foot view, it's not as bad as I felt on Saturday night. I don't know if you feel the same though. I do feel the same. If you would have told me that we split the Arkansas and Kansas game, I would have said, great. You know, if we win one of those games, whichever it is, obviously you want to win the conference game. But if we win one of those games, that puts us in a good spot to become bowl eligible. 
And I think, you know, we still got Cincinnati, Oklahoma State that's falling apart at the seams, Iowa State that was never put together. Like, we still have these teams on the schedule. Texas Tech, who seems to be falling apart. Mm. Like, you know, there is a chance for us to have success just because the Big 12 is down this year and because I think our team was better than what the preseason projections were letting on anyway. I like Keaton Slovis. I think he's playing well. The first half was incredible. Like, he was like, what was he? He was like something like 16 of 18 for two touchdowns and 140 yards or something in the first half. Like, he was ripping it. The second half, he struggled. But when you have to throw 51 passes because you're averaging less than a yard per carry, of course you're going to struggle. The defense can just absolutely key on it. And with the defensive improvements that we're talking about, that we just got finished talking about, I think BYU is poised to have you know, they're not going to win the conference or anything, but I think that they're poised to have success the rest of the year. No, I, I agree. I think there is definitely the opportunity. Uh, I, I think we are ready. I think what, well, I don't think we are ready. I think we are in a position that bodes well for us because like Kalani said, all of these issues are fixable. So just don't mm-hmm. worry about it. We'll fix them. But I really do think they are fi- like they're, there's no way that our offensive line just sucks. Like, yes, it sucks right now, and they've been playing like they suck, but there's no way that we can't figure out a way to run the ball for more than 0.4 yards a carry. There has to be a way, and I'm sure we have, what, eight more games. I'm sure we'll figure it out at some point. I'm not super excited. I'm not super hopeful uh, in the season. I don't think we're going to make those eight wins that we were talking about in the preseason. Uh, but I do think there is still hope to make a, a bowl game. I think it's still on the table. We we just need to figure out the offense. And this is BY, This is Brigham Young University, right? Like this is – we built this city on rock and roll, on offense, right? This is the, the foundation of our program is offense and slinging the ball around. So if we need to, I'm 100% sure that we'll figure out some way to score more points and stop scoring points for the opponent's team. So I guess my final word is, <laughs> yes, it's bad, but it could be much, much worse. And so I'm grateful that we are in the position that we are in right now. So, Jared, I have a question for you. Let's hear it. After letting it stew, was it targeting? One hundred percent yes, thousand percent yes. However, mm. it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter. You we cannot point to penalties or or things that should have been called that weren't or things that shouldn't have been called that were. We cannot point to those things because that takes the pressure off of our offense. If we talk about the miss PI on the Rex picks, the miss PI on Isaac Rex on the pick six, if we talk about the targeting on Parker Kingston on the fumble six, if we talk about Camden Garrett's holding that was questionable on his pick that got called back, I think doing that takes out, takes the pressure off of the offense. And I think we need as much pressure as possible on the offense right now, because regardless, they're still not playing good enough to win six football games. Interesting. Um, I'm going to have to agree and disagree with you. Okay. After okay. letting it stew myself and after watching the clip a few times, that was 1,000% not targeting. Okay. Um, 
a few things. First of all, in the game of football, if you can get decleated by a corner, <laughs> you you just you you don't deserve a targeting call. You don't deserve it. like if it's a linebacker or like a heavy safety, that's one thing. You know, if it's a corner, no, you just no. Besides the point, Kobe Bryant, yes, that's his name, um, the guy in the corner, just made an incredible read, right? He was 10 to 12 yards out of the play, saw what was happening, sprinted up the side, evaded a block, and stood his ground, did not leave his feet, and lowered his shoulder. Is there some helmet-to-helmet contact? Yes, there's helmet-to-helmet contact on literally every tackle in football if you look hard enough. But... He lowers his shoulder, gets him in the chest, and the side of his helmet, side of the crown, maybe you could even say, hits Parker Kingston. But you have to remember, Parker Kingston is not a defenseless player in that instance. He is a runner of the ball. So the only way that you can call targeting is if uh, Kobe Bryant leaves his feet or makes forcible contact with the crown of his helmet to the head or neck area. That is not something I saw. Parker Kingston just needs to learn a few things. First of all, this is Division One football, okay? You can't be running slowly, and you can't slow down when a defender comes to hit you. You cannot slow down and stand up. You need to lower your shoulder and go or juke out or just dive on the ground. You need to do one of those things. You cannot get your shoulder absolutely blown up by a corner. Parker Kingston is a great athlete. He's fast. This is his first year in Division One. He's a freshman. He has a lot to learn. I'm not saying in, by any – I am not insinuating in any way that Parker Kingston is a bad football player or that he doesn't deserve to be on the field because he got blown up by a corner. He deserves to be made fun of because he got blown up by a corner. <laughs> but there are just things you need to learn at these higher levels where everyone is faster, where everyone is stronger, where everyone is – I don't know. Everyone's more violent, right? Like – you're not playing football against pace and high anymore. All right. You're playing against a guy who literally wants to kill you on the opposite side of the ball. No, I, I, I cannot dispute the fact that he is very much a freshman, very much a welcome to the big leagues hit, right? Whether you get the targeting penalty or not, the corner is still excited and the whole team is stoked after that play. Right. Cause it's like, welcome to the big 12. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, with, and, and that kind of your, your point about Kingston, he's a great football player, right? BYU just doesn't have a lot of Jimmy's and Joe's on their team. Right. Or, or I guess, depending on where you take it, right. They have a lot of Jimmy's and Joe's on their team. We, we just have like a bunch of Jags. We have a bunch of just the guys, right. And that's fine because of where we were. And I'm not saying that these guys on our team can't become, like star players, big time players. And I'm sure Parker Kingston will learn and become one. Right. Uh, Same with other guys on our team, but we just don't have dudes right now on our team. And that's fine. Like at at the place we're in, we did our best and we can't really argue with it. Moving forward. We got to get more dudes on the team so that stuff like that doesn't happen on a regular basis. Yep. Anything else about the Kansas game before we move on? No, I really do just want to put it in the rearview mirror. Like I'm 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 done talking about it. It was bad. Let's just move on. Let's do it. Because we have some more college football to recap. Week 4 was a crazy week, and I don't think there's any better way to explain it than with 
the nifty nine. We kick things off in the fake Death Valley as Dabo Swiney welcomed the Nemi souls of the state of Florida into his good Christian home. Kid Clubneck and the rest of the Tigres offense got rolling early and jumped out to an early lead only to watch as Michael Jordan slash Travis Scott led the grassy knolls to a furious comeback. It all came down to recently unretired Clemsuck kicker Jonathan Tidy Whitey's who had just a 29-yard field goal attempt for the win. He's automatic. You know what that means. Kicker! Mike Norville and the fighting chief Osceola's made quick work of the terribly colored Tigers, sending them out to the Daboonies with a 31-24 overtime loss. Oh, kicker! You hate to see that. Next up, we head to a 16-hour drive in 2022 PTSD Stadium, <gasps> otherwise known as Autzen, where SpongeBob, if you remember this episode, was writing his essay in his favorite Colorado jersey. He thought he had plenty of time, prime time even, but Ooh. his pineapple told him, time's up, SpongeBob. For Colorado, the Oregon duck came out of the tunnel, smashing a clock and losing his head. He wasn't the only thing that lost its head that day, though, as the Colorado defense gave up 35 points in the first half. Woo! After raking over the Oregon logo at the 50, Colorado was raked all over the field by Dan Lanning and his crew, proclaiming, we're not here for clicks, we're here for wins. Primetime gets absolutely embarrassed on the national stage, falling to the Ducks, 42-6. Next, we head to Give me an S. Give me an L. S. Give me a U! U! Give me a T! T! What does that spell? Where the scumbags of the University of Poopy Diapers took on the overrated and absolutely pathetic Ocla Berenstein Bears. Yes! Ta! Scored on the first play of the game as Dante Moore went straight for his inferno, throwing a pickle six straight into the hands of Karen Reed classic Cottonwood Heights mom name. Dub Bears were scared so absolutely shackless that they packed their bags and headed home at halftime, which is funny because the Scroots did the same thing. Kyle Bet Butthead Shittinghams deal with the devil continues as yet another team somehow completely forgets how to play the sport of football, giving the dirtbag chump change bum nugs crap face Hersey squirts a 14-7 no fun league style victory. Next up, we head to Sweet Home Alabama, where two cousins were having a domestic throwdown for the ages. After a marriage between family gone wrong, Lane Kiffin brought his fingers all buttery from last year's popcorn into Saban's home, attempting to steal away a W. Saban was too busy thinking of what four words he was going to say in his next Aflac cameo in the first half going down 7-6 to six early. The second half was tipped so heavily in Alabama's favor, it was almost like a giant southern fat man full of grease, sweet iced tea, and sugar was stepping on their side of the scales. Jalen got in his boat and mill rode the tide to victory, defeating the Rebels 24-10. to 10. I see what you did there. Up on the... Uh -oh. I lose. DJ 
DJ Uyunga Langa Bunga Bebop Doopoop led his chain sound beavers against the false cougars of Wasu. Cameron Seventh Ward played like a priest on the Deacons team, racking up over 400 <laughs> yards of total offense and five totalies. The looked like absolute dog shiner for three and a half quarters, and then came storming back like Hurricane Hidalgo, or whatever the heck that one in California was called. I don't know, but yeah. Wazoo did not come out of a wazoo tonight, winning the Pac-2 championship 38-35. to What a game, boom. It's almost like we're going to watch the Pac-2 championship 12 times next year. Oh, yeah. Next up, we head to Happy Valley, where the Penn State Pasties were hoping to put pressure on Brian Ferentz's scoring contingent contract. Iowa dominated in this game in the punting game, I should say, where their punter averaged a whopping 52.3 yards per his seven punts. Wow, boom. Includes a long of 62. Iowa fumbled the football six times. I repeat, six times. Allowing allowing Pennis State to comfortably run away like the nit, 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 whatever the heck kind of lion they are. Alar drew up almost a perfect game, throwing for four tunnels while simultaneously only throwing for 4.6 yards per attempt. Now that's Big Ten football. Boom. <laughs> James Franklin runs away with a 31-0 victory, effectively firing Brian Ferentz. May he rest in peace. We head to Bloomington, where the famed basketball school of Hoosiers took on the perennial powerhouse of Akron. Akron. In a weekend where all Big Ten sickos were focused on Northwestern's unlikely burial victory over Minnesota, no one realized that the Zippos were taking the Hoosiers to overtime. In fact, make that four overtimes. Oh. A hilarious turn of events. The basketball school and bottom feeder Mac school traded literal blows until principal went out and Akron remained a bottom 10 candidate. You hate to see that boo. Indiana sure does miss Michael Wiener. I mean, Doinger. I mean, Penis. I mean, Phoenix. Sheesh. Just a little slip of the tongue there. Uh, they get the victory. 29 to 27. Yeah, it happens to us all, Boom. Sometimes we, we, a little slip of the tongue. It just, it, it just happens. Freudian slip, you know? Next up, we head to the real Death Valley. Uh, y- you know, Boom. What? I, I don't know if I can do this. Uh-huh. Um... It just feels wrong talking about LSU without Coach O there. I miss his, go Tigers, go Tigers. The only way to fix this, in my opinion, is to talk in Brian Kelly's fake Southern accent. So, without further ado, <coughs> we had to bite and runners where the big kitty cats were fixing to tussle with the so we rise the bats. AJ Jefferson came to play some foosball, but he threw more interceptions than beers I cracked open at the family barbecue. The Tigers did what they needed to do, taking a 34 to 31 victory. That was beautiful, though. That was quite something. Thank you, thank you. And finally, we arrive at the main event. We finish off in Southern Bendover 
where the Bucknuts of the Ohio State University took on the Fighting Irish of Indiana. Under the watchful eye of Touchdown Jesus, these two staples of college football lore took things way back to the roots of college football, playing three yards and a cloud of dust footy to a 14-14 tie with just two minutes left to play. Then out came Kyle sucks at football McCordian, who orchestrated a final drive more beautiful than Beethoven's Third Symphony. Amika Egbuka, Marv Harrison Jr. And Caden Stovetop all lended a Christ-like helping hand to KC getting a poisonous nuts down to the two-yard line. Marcus Ship for Brains Freemason thought it would be a good idea to put 10 men on the field for the final two plays, and the Ohio State took advantage, giving Chippers the rock for a game-winning touchdown with one second remaining. Ryan, I hate Lou Holtz day, said in his best, said it best, in his very aggressive post-game presser that scared the bejeebers out of that sideline reporter. It always has been, it always will be, Ohio against the world! That was a great impression, Boom. Thank you, thank you. Uh, need some water after that one. Water, water. Uh, Quite a week of college football, I would say. Uh, would you agree? Indubitably so. Indubitably. Um, the, a phantasmagorical set of happenings occurred over the previous end of week days. That was, that was glorious diction, uh, I might say. Uh, thank, by you, thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. Um, a little bit pedantic, but who knows? It's okay. Just big word after big word. We love it. Um, I would love to discuss it all very deeply, but we must go with our three free thoughts. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, would you like to start it off for us with our three free, free, three, three free thoughts? Sure, I can do that. Uh, three free thoughts, three free thoughts, three free th- three. Th- ah, okay. I was not able to half. do the 10. Anyway, I, I don't think that's what you meant. Um, <laughs> first, no mercy in Autzen. Um Shout out! I, I said that I was scared of Dan Lanning, and rightfully so. Dan Lanning absolutely mollywhopped Oregon. Like it, it was an absolute dog walking. Like I don't know. Like it was it was bad. It was it was bad, 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 bad. They had more points at halftime than Colorado had yards. That's that's what uh, all that needs to be said. <laughs> uh, my first free three thought uh, is. The Big 12 is low-key kind of bad this year. Um, Besides Texas and Oklahoma, the best team is Kansas? Question mark. So what does that say about the rest of us? I don't know. A down year. Just a down year, you know. just, just, Just one of them down years. That's all. Happens to the best of them, you know. Yeah, yeah. This does not happen to the best of them. This is something that's completely inexcusable. Um, you should probably have 11 people on the field when you are defending the one-yard line with 10 seconds left. Um, <laughs> you should probably, at the very least, if you're going to have 10 people on the field, be short a safety or something and not a defensive lineman. <laughs> Absolutely egregious. Coming out of a timeout, Notre what? Dame had 10. Had 10. and then. After the first play, you don't fix that. You could, oh, yeah, we'll play with 10 again. And of course, they just run it right to where that missing defensive lineman was. Granted, Notre Dame almost stopped them. If you have that guy in there, maybe you do. But 
absolutely egregious if you need to have 11 guys on the field. I I can only imagine what the Ohio State coaches box up there was doing. My God, just screaming like they only have three D linemen. Run the ball. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> just pathetic, idiotic mistake. Uh, one I'm sure he will not make again in the future. <laughs> um, no. My second thought: Washington is the best team in the country. You heard it right here, right now. Um, they are a freaking juggernaut. I don't know how else to say it. Uh. I don't care how talented your team is. I don't care. I don't care at all. Washington has had a harder schedule than Michigan, than Georgia, than not Texas, not Florida State, but they've had a harder schedule than Georgia and Michigan, that's for sure. And they've looked like a top team should against their schedule. They've blown the crap out of whoever they were playing. Their quarterback is incredible. Uh, I do not understand how are the, how they are where they are in the rankings. They need to be number one. They look like the best team in the country. You cannot say that about Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Texas. No one has looked as good as Washington does. They should be number one, and they are number one in my hearts right now. I mean, hey, I do not hate that. I am good with that. My final fast three thought um, is Cameron Ward for Heisman. Let me read you his stat line from I would love to the Pac-2 championship game. In the Pac-2 championship game, he, and I kid you not, ran the ball nine times for 12 yards and one touchdown. Oh, shit, that big numbies. I mean, he averaged over one yard per carry. That's something the BYU offense can't do. But let me talk to you about his more than us. Yeah, Exactly. Passing the ball, he was 28 of 34 for 404 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot. He popped off. That's he pretty dang good. Off. Uh, on the season right now, he already, through four games, has nearly 1,400 passing yards. 75% completion percentage, 10 yards per attempt, 13 touchdowns, and zero, I repeat, zero interceptions. Justin, I am right with you that he is a monster. He is very, very good. I think he should definitely be in the Heisman run. Yep. There's no no reason he shouldn't be. Uh, my, the, the, my final thought is that no one is ever safe. Uh, I thought that the evening games were going to be kind of lackluster last night. I'm watching Washington absolutely blow the doors off of Cal. Uh, and then we see the Arizona State game. Kinley didn't want to put it on because she hates watching Arizona State lose, as we all hate watching our teams lose. And Arizona State just lost 29-0 to to Fresno State at home. However, Washington – or not Washington – USC was in a fight for their lives with Arizona State. It wasn't until late in the fourth quarter – that they finally got a stop. They finally put another touchdown on the board to get ahead two scores. In college football, no one is safe. No one is safe. We've seen it with basically every single good team except for Washington so far. There is There are no off weeks in college football. If you think a week is uh, a week's like weekend is like a week slate or uh, 
if you think there's it, there's no chance this team is going to get challenged, college football finds a way. They will always find a way to surprise you. And, and I just I love this sport so much because of that. Because there are no off weeks, you can't afford to lose a single game, and anybody could beat anybody on any given night. Hey, Pac-12 after dark, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. It is an absolute snikey show. Uh, let us move on to week five. Let's start with the BYU game. We play Cincy. This is a Big 12 home opener. Um, I know our offense isn't very good, but can you imagine how electric that field is going to be? That stadium is going to be bumping on Friday night. I'm very, very excited, but let's give the listeners what they came here for. Let's give them a little preview of Cincinnati. Who are the Bearcats? And these are Bearcats with a C, mind you. Mm. The Bearcats are um, the former home of Luke Fickle, um, mm. who is now at Wisconsin, and the former home of the Kelsey brothers, um, Travis and Jason. Fun fact, there is also a third, the oldest brother, who was never good enough to play Division One college football. <laughs> um yeah, he, he made a video one time talking about how he taught Travis and Jason everything they know. Sure, um, buddy. Cincinnati, uh, let's just talk about what they've done this year because this year they're a completely different team with Satterfield at the helm because Luke Fickle left. You have um, a team that's 2-2, two and two, started off the year 2-0 and oh with wins over Eastern Kentucky and Pitt, but that have since lost two straight home games, home games, versus Oklahoma 20-6, and an overtime loss to Miami of Ohio. Uh, it's not very good. It's not, not very good when you lose at home to Miami of Ohio. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, you don't want to lose to the Red Hawks. I mean, Hawks. <laughs> uh, this is an interesting team, like you said. That win over Pitt seemed very good at the beginning of the season. But as Pitt has absolutely hit the water slide, it looks less and less like a good win. Um. Like you said, though, that Oklahoma game on Saturday, they were frisky. Their defense was very frisky. The offense didn't have much, they, not a lot of offensive output. Sound familiar? Uh, but a very frisky defense. Their quarterback is Emery Jones, formerly of – where was he? He was at Arizona State first, and then was he at Florida? I, was it Arizona State, then Florida? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, this is just an interesting team, uh, probably very much on our own skill level. I think I'm fair in saying that they don't have as good of a quarterback, uh, but they are running the ball for more than one yard a carry. Uh, they're averaging 4.8 actually yards per carry. So that's pretty darned good. Um, I think this is going to be a good matchup for our team. I think we match up pretty evenly across the board. Oh, uh, Emory Jones was at Florida first and then Arizona State. And then Arizona surprising, State. Surprising to me. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, good old Emory Jones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this, this Cincinnati team is weird. They have played really well and they've played really bad. Emory Jones – let me let me tell you this about Emory Jones, right? He's an okay passer, right? He's not terrible. He's not great. He's got seven touchdowns and five interceptions on the year. Right? Okay. Not great. 
if you take away the FCS game, though, he's got two touchdowns and five interceptions on the year. Ooh. If you take away the pit game, he has zero touchdowns and four interceptions. Yikes. So in his last two games, zero touchdowns, four interceptions. Yikes. All he does is run the ball for 3.4 yards per carry. He has the most rushing touchdowns on the team with three. But, yeah, um, he is not a quarterback that you have to worry about a lot. Defeating you with your arm, which is why he will have 400 passing yards versus the BYU defense on Saturday. On Friday, 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 Friday. That's super interesting because you, like you said, Cincinnati is just a weird team. Like they, they've played well, they played bad. Their defense is frisky. Like they lost to Miami, but then they made Oklahoma look like, uh, look like Oklahoma had to really try to beat them. So I, don't, I don't really know what to think. I think the Cincy offense, I think our defense is going to be able to do well against the Cincy offense. I think it'll be a good challenge for us. I don't think it'll be as easy as we thought it would be in the preseason. I remember sharpieing in this as a win. I said, there's no chance we lose this game. I think there's definitely a chance with how bad our offense is playing, right? If we gift them 14 free points again, then we could definitely lose. But I don't think their offense is going to score enough points if we, you know, don't turn over the ball, give them short fields, that kind of stuff. I don't think their offense is good enough to beat us. Uh, if our defense can hold serve and play as well as they have this season. What about their defense? Their defense is kind of interesting. Like we said, uh, they they haven't allowed a lot of points this season. I know they haven't really played that many great teams. Like Pitt hasn't a terrible offense. But they've only allowed 21, 13, 31, and 20 points. And I know that it's like average, like that's normal. But against Oklahoma, you only allowed 20 points? They're they're a little frisky. They're a little frisky. Um, they have the lowest missed tackle percentage in the Big 12. That's an interesting note. Um, mm-hmm. The defense is solid, physical. Uh, I saw you threw the three interceptions, five forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries. Uh, through four games, that's, that's pretty good. That's at least one turnover a game, something that we are not averaging. Um, our, our offense is definitely going to have our hands full. Uh, at, at least if we keep trying to run the ball. Um, and if we're not careful with the football, this could get ugly. Yeah, I mean, what do you want to see from this BYU team? Obviously, it's the home opener, home Big 12 opener. It's going to be electric. You know, I'll be there, and I'm sure you'll be there too, screaming your head off, getting, of you know, making sure that you have no possible voice at all for Saturday. Yep. What does BYU need to do to keep the crowd involved and to have success in this football game? Don't punt the football not once okay you can punt it once when we're up 31 to 6 in the fourth quarter uh we have to get first downs and i know like you look at the first down stats from last game yeah we had the same amount of first downs as kansas but we just got to sustain drives keep the offense on the field that's what's going to keep the crowd engaged our offense we have favorable matchups in the secondary. Cincinnati secondary is not incredible. Like I, I think that we have the advantage there on the, in the passing game, use it. You have to run the football in order to open up the pass game. But like I said, you have to get first downs, keep drives alive because I think the longer the defense is on the field, the more we'll wear them down and the more success we'll be able to have running the football. 
I know yeah, that's I, a lot to ask. Yeah, I agree. I, I know it's a lot to ask, but that's what you got to do. You have to figure out a way to run the football in order to keep the offense on the field. Would you like to see maybe, I don't know, a yard and a half per carry? Maybe two? Whoa, 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 whoa. My bad, my bad. I know that's asking a lot. You are going off the railing here, Justin. We averaged 0.4 yards of carry last game, and you want to see us go all the way to two? What? Well, let, let, let me let me give you this at the very least. If you take out sack yardage, we averaged 1.8 yards per carry. Whoa. Whoa. So I think we could shoot for two. Okay. Okay, let's shoot for two then. Let's shoot for two. We're shooting for two yards per carry. I would like to see Keaton Sovis play a clean game. I don't want to see any interceptions this game. Now, you can argue that that second interception wasn't his fault. It was P.I., all this, that, and the other, whatever. You cannot put ball. You cannot put the ball in danger's way. Keaton can zip the ball into some really tight windows. That also lends himself. That also lends itself to putting balls in windows that are just a little bit too closed, and the ball getting intercept, intercepted. I would like to see Keaton clean things up a little bit, have a 300-yard passing game, and I want us to have a 100-yard rushing game too. I don't care if it takes us 100 rushes all for one yard to get to 100 yards. I just want to see us eclipse that 100-yard rushing mark. I'm seeing a common theme here that has to do with the run game. Hmm. The run game and taking care of the football. It's almost like those are the basic principles on which football is based. What? What? Imposing um, your will on your opponent and not turning the ball over. Yes. <laughs> I would like us to hold Cincinnati to under, uh, well, let's just say this, three scores tops. At most, 21 points. Uh, I would love to see us hold them to like 14 or 17 points. Under 20 would be preferable. And I want to see at least two turnovers. Their offense is not, like you said, Emory Jones has thrown four interceptions in his last two games. I want us to take advantage of that. Confuse him, blitz him. Uh, you will blitz all night. I just want to see a clean game from BYU. Like, I, I, I know it doesn't sound that interesting. It doesn't sound that, like, complicated. But every time I think about it, like, every time I look over the numbers, look over the, the, the formations, whatever, all I want us to do is just play clean football, run the football take care of the ball, like you said. And then on the defensive side, stop the run, force turnovers. It's not a hard game. Just do the fundamentals and we're going to win this game 30 to six. I swear. Okay. Okay. 30 to six. That might be a little look ahead at Jared's predictions. Um, Maybe. Any, anything else to, to talk about on this Cincy game before we start looking ahead to week five or. What if BYU does win the game? Yeah. Or maybe let's do this because I think most people are leaning towards BOU winning the game. And mm -hmm. I think most people know that if BOU runs the ball well, then they will win the game. Yeah. Take out the run game element. Mm -hmm. Forget about the run game. What would cause BYU to lose the game? What is something that we need to be watching for, for BYU to avoid so that we don't lose? We need to not turn the ball over. We can't have untimely interceptions. I mean, it's it's one thing, right? If you throw an interception at your own five-yard line versus their five-yard line, right? Completely different. One of them, they have to go the length of the field. The other one, they have a free field goal. If they want, they can kick it on first down. <laughs> like, we need to take care of the football. It's all about situational awareness. If BYU loses this game, 
it will be because of poor ball security. I couldn't agree more. Uh, if I have to go with something different, though, I would say because we F around and find out, as they say, we need to get off to a fast start, in my opinion, since he cannot play from behind. They're not they're They do not have that kind of offense. If we can get out to a fast start, put a couple touchdowns on the board early, play with the lead, I think that not only lends itself to our playing style, but it also plays against their playing style. So I, Justin is liking this take very, very much. So that's what I'm going with. I, I think we need to get out to a fast start in order to win this football game, or it could get dicey late. Why so serious, Jared? Let's, let's, let's play a little game, okay? <laughs> BYU loses this football game based on the following circumstances. Oh, no. Picture this. BYU is down by five points. Okay. 12 seconds left to go in the game. Oh, no. Keaton Slovis throws an absolute dart 40 yards down the field. Okay. Caught by Isaac Rex, who breaks three tackles, dives into the end zone, touchdown. Don't don't say it. Flag on the play. Illegal touching. The wide receiver was lined up over him. The play gets called back. We lose. I swear, if 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 we get called for an illegal touching, much less on the last play of the game. I'm walking out of the stadium. I'm gone. Bye-bye. See ya. I will be gone. If that happens, I will rush the field, but rush the field holding a fire everyone who works on formations (laughs) sign. Yeah, let us hope and pray we do not see any illegal touching um, of the religious manner or of the illegal football play manner. Um, (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) let's look ahead to week five of college football um i i am very excited for this week uh it's conference weekend so you know you're not going to have the sound on any of these games but that's okay because broadcasters have been sucking lately um Mm -hmm. but yeah let's start things off we got our upset picks we got our tipsy 10 let's start with the upset picks and let's do a little recap of last week and how that went to understand the future jared one must master the past so True. let us look back at our upset picks of last week. It was a pretty good week for us. I must yes. indeed say both of our upset picks cashed and not only cashed, but cashed outright as well. They did not just cover the spread. They won. Tulsa beat NIU in a very ugly game, giving me three points. And Georgia Tech beat down the Demon Deacons, giving you three points. Yeah, I not much more you could ask for there. Two outright wins. Definitely take those Cheez-Its. Take them to the bank. Uh, right now, you're up 9-4, to four, uh, but I'm on the board now with an outright victory, so I'm excited about that. Um, so let's hear it. Who is your upset pick against the spread for this week, week five of college football? See, I've got two, but I don't know which one I want to pick. Um <laughs> I'm I'm really torn on this one. I, I really don't know which one to pick here, but I'm going to go with there's there's one that I like and there's one that gives me more points to work with, right? right. Um but I just I gotta go with my gut, right? So I am going to go with East Carolina. Oh, what what happened there? That was a really weird margins thing. I'm going to go with East Carolina 
who is a three-point underdog at Rice. Okay. 5 p.m. ESPN+. Plus. Rice has been playing good football. Lest you forget, JT Daniels is throwing the ball for the Rice Owls. So they're playing good football. They beat Houston. But I think East Carolina, who has struggled lately, one and three on the season, can take on Rice to get its first conference win and its second win of the season. That's a pretty bold pick, Justin. I'm not going to lie. I didn't see that one coming. I'm excited. I don't know. It's going to be fun. Minute Rice. Minute Rice. You got to watch out. Um. I'm going with a slightly larger spread. I'm going with South Carolina plus 12 and a half at number 21, Tennessee. Oh, uh, oh. I know 12 and a half. That's two scores. Um, it's a lot of points, but I just, I am very high on South Carolina still. They should have won against Georgia. If Georgia didn't figure out, Oh, Hey, we're just way better. Let's just bring nine guys on every single play. Um, I don't think Tennessee has a good enough defense to mess with South Carolina's horrific offensive line. And I think Spencer Rattler is going to torch that Tennessee defense. If Graham Mertz can do it, so can South Carolina. So I'm going with the game Cox over the Vols. That one, 5.30 p.m. on the SEC Network. Hey, good news for me. Really quick, really quick. I just looked this up. The line has moved for the East Carolina Rice game. At literally every sports book, including FanDuel, MGM, Caesars, DraftKings, every single one that's listed on this website, the line has moved to East Carolina plus three and a half. So I do very much like that. I'm going to make sure that gets recorded. But I honestly really like your pick, Jared. South Carolina has been the kryptonite for some of these big teams lately. Tennessee has showed that it's susceptible to getting beat by teams that are inferior inferior from it. And Spencer Rattler, as much as I hate to say this, is playing like the best QB in the SEC. So I don't hate that pick. I really like it, actually. He that that I think you might be right. I think he might be at least playing right now as the best quarterback in the SEC. Um, I love those upset picks, but let's move on to the tipsy 10. We have the tipsy 10. We got a recap of last week. Me and you both went six and four. There we hey, go. Hey. That was nice. That's nice. Over yeah. 500. Um and the fans only went 500, went five and five. So we gained a, another game back on them. They still lead 23 and 17. You are two games back at 21, 19, one game over 500 now. And I am at a perfect 500 at 20 and 20. Uh, thoughts on the week that was, Justin? Slowly but surely, we're making our way uh, back to the top. We are going to overcome the fans here pretty soon. I'm only two games back. You're only two games behind that. Like, we're in a good spot. Oh, I'm only one game back, actually. I didn't even realize that. I'm only one game back from them now. And you're only two games back from that. So, fans, Huck's coming. We we coming, fans. We coming. Oh, no, I am two games behind, and you're one game behind me. I'm just – I can't do math. I cannot read. I am blind. I am an old man. I am two games back from the fans, but Justin's coming. Justin is coming. Uh, coming. This week – we don't have the fans' votes in. One, because we don't want to destroy the integrity of the fan vote. And two, because I just didn't have enough time and I completely forgot today. So we will be moving on just giving our picks today. Uh, but let's start things off on Friday night, 7 p.m., FS1, a little precursor to the BYU game. We have number 10, Utah, at number 19, Chainsaw Noises. 
Uh, Oregon State is favored by three points at home. This is kind of one of those weird weekday Pac-12 after dark games. Justin, who are you going with in this one? See, this would have been a really weird after dark game, but unfortunately it's kicking off at 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, sorry, no, my bad. I honestly cannot do math. I am the worst at math today. 6 p.m. Pacific. So it will get dark there towards the end. So some crazy things might happen. This is just a principal pick for me. I'm going with chainsaw noises all day long over the screws. Screw the Utes. I'm right there with you, baby. Never will I ever pick Utah to win a football game. Oregon State all the way. Mm, interesting. Next up, we got a very, very interesting matchup for uh, in-state school. At 10 a.m. on CBS Sports Network, Utah State is traveling to take on the Yukon Huskies, who are a five-point underdog at home to the Aggies. Jared, who do you got, Utah State or Yukon? Uh, this one's pretty easy for me. I'm going with Utah State. They looked really good against James Madison. They actually hang, hung with James Madison most of the game. Yes, they were at home. Yes, they'll be on the road for this one against Yukon, who went bowling last year. But UConn has disappointed me in every single game they've played this season. So I'm going with the Aggies. I think they terrible defense, good enough offense. I think they get it done. Interesting, Jared, that you would go with Utah State. Because I am going with UConn. Oh, the Huskies, baby. baby. Jim Mora, there's things happening in Connecticut that we don't understand. I do understand it because I went to Connecticut. I was in the heartland. And I see what's going on at the University of Connecticut, whatever city it's in. I don't even know. I don't even know what any of the cities in Connecticut are called, except for what, Hartford? That, that's, Hartford. A, that's a city in Connecticut, right? Is, is yep. that where UConn is? I don't know. But Blake Anderson, I feel like he's going to struggle this year. Two years straight, kind of going down the crapper. I think Blake Anderson might be on the hot seat come next year. Give me UConn. Uh, that's what a lot of my Utah State people are telling me as well that Blake is on the hot seat right now. Um, we move ahead to the Suck Eastern Conference. Uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas, BYU fans obviously have a vested interest in this one, uh, and we do as well because you got uh, Bimbo Fisker uh, over there at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is favored by six and a half. This game is at Arlington. It's in the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Uh, Justin, who are you going with in this one? Arkansas had a really close game late with LSU. Jaden Daniels was sucking at the beginning, but then played really well towards the end. It was the opposite for KJ Jefferson, who ended the game with two picks. I think Arkansas was going to have a little bit of an emotional letdown uh, after that game. But I do think that if they are going to win in this crazy four-game stretch that they have, this is probably the best chance they have at winning. So I'm going to go with Arkansas on this one, just as a principle of they won't lose all four. They'll win one. This is the most likely one. Very nice. I'm also going with the principal pick here. I'm going with Ark Kansas. Um, simply principal because we need them to win for BYU to look good. So, yeah, very simple here. All right. 10 a.m. on ABC, you'll have two orange teams gracing your screen. Clemson, Clemson, I should say, will be traveling to New York to take on Syracuse. Clemson is a seven-point road favorite. Jared, who do you have in this one? I'm going with the Orange. 
as in the Syracuse Orange. Uh, I do not like Clemson. I will not pick them because I do not like them. Uh, and also Syracuse is looking very good. It's sneaking under the radar, but they look like a very good football team. I'm sure Clemson will beat the snot out of them because I'm picking Cle- uh, Syracuse. But nonetheless, I, I must choose Syracuse. So there you go. Last year, 2022, Syracuse did the exact same thing. They were incredible at the beginning of the season. I was asking questions. Is Syracuse one of the best teams in the nation? Is Syracuse good? Is Syracuse great? We didn't know until they started playing these teams and started losing. I think they've caught magic in a bottle. I do think that Clemson is the better team. However, I also wonder how much Clemson is playing for at this point now that they have been effectively eliminated from all playoff contention, two losses into the year, and maybe even from ACC championship contention as they already have two conference losses. Have they quit? I don't know, but I do think that Clemson's lines will overpower Syracuse, so I'm going with Clemson in this one, despite my better judgment. Uh, that That's a very interesting uh, pick because, like you said, the, the quit factor, I hadn't even factored that in. Uh, but that's very interesting. I am excited to see how this one goes um, because Syracuse never takes advantage of Clemson like they should. Can they do it this year? Um, next up, we have maybe one of the biggest games of the day that no one will ever talk about. It is South Alabama at James Madison, two Sunbelt heavyweights going at it. This is at James Madison, JMU favored by three points. I am very excited for this one. This is definitely going to be on one of the screens underneath general conference. Um, Justin, who are you going with? Are you going with the Dukies or the Jags? Out of principle, I need to say that JMU will not go undefeated. I don't think they have the team for it. This is very similar to my Arkansas pick, right? They have to win one of four. This is the most likely. JMU has to lose one game on this schedule. This is the most likely. I don't think that South Alabama will win. I think that JMU will win. But my principle, right, my analytics, my chart is saying that this is the best chance that JMU has at losing. So this is what I'm picking South Alabama for the victory. I am very, very conflicted in this one. I love South Alabama. I, I like JMU. I think they have a really good football team. I think JMU is going to win the game. Ugh. I, I got to do it. I'm going to South Alabama. I'm going to USA, baby. University of Southern Alabama. I, I really would not be surprised if JMU wins this game. This is not a very high confidence pick, but I'm also going with South Alabama in this one. All right. 1.30 p.m. on ABC. Number 24, Kansas, will be taking on number three, Texas in Austin, where Texas is favored by 17 whopping points. Jared, who do you have in this clash of the top two teams in the Big 12? <laughs> um, I really want to pick Kansas. I really, really do. I think it's hilarious when Texas overlooks like the worst team in the Big 12 and loses to them every year. However, we need Texas's stupid Big 12 loss to come at home versus BYU. Yeah, so preach. Thus, by principle, we must choose Texas to win this game so that they can overlook BYU later in the year. Texas Longhorns. 
Yep, same logic for me. It would be it would be more hilarious if BYU undefeated an undefeated Texas team at at in Austin. It would not be quite as funny if Texas had already lost a game. For that reason, Texas. Exactly. Uh, I'm glad to see we're on the same wavelength there. Uh, 2 p.m. ESPN two. Boise State at Memphis. Battle of the struggling G five should be powers. Uh, Memphis and Boise State think they're both very very good uh they think they are supposed to win their conferences every year uh neither of them has really been living up to the billing lately who are you going with this one broncos or tigers uh i must say my new take in this one is that um boise state the only reason they haven't been invited to a power conference is because nobody wants to see that blue field in their (laughs) conference that's literally my take memphis kind of similar story right with their colorful whatever um, Boise State gave up 31 points to San Diego State, the team that doesn't even have an offense. That is absolutely egregious for that reason. I'm going Memphis in this one. I'm also going Memphis. Much of the same reasoning. Boise State has not looked good this season. They have not looked as impressive as they should, given the offense they have. Uh, I think Memphis is one of those teams that just is always mad for no reason. Um and, and I feel like they're just going to come out in this one with some weird chip on their shoulder and beat the crap out of Boise State. Next up, 5 p.m., ESPN Plus, be there or be square. Troy, the Trojans, travels to Georgia State to take on the fighting Clay Heltons. That's Oh, no, sorry. Clay Plus. Helton is Georgia Southern. Dang it. I got that <laughs> wrong. My bad. My bad. My bad. To take on Georgia State. Georgia State is a a one-and-a-half-point home favorite versus the Trojans. Jared, who do you got in this one? Uh, This is a tough one because both of these teams are very good. I'm excited to watch them. But Georgia State is just a little bit closer to my heart, so I'm going to go with Jast, Gast, Georgia State. I think Troy is a very good team. I just don't think they're the team they were last year. They were super, super good last year. They haven't looked quite as impressive, so I'm going with Georgia State in this one. Yeah, give me Georgia State by probably 17 points. Um, I think Georgia State is going to blow Troy out of the water. Georgia Ooh. State's a dang good football team this year, and so is Georgia Southern. There's a lot of fun stuff going on in the in the fun belt. Um, Troy, I don't think, is in that top-tier category right now. I think they're a mid-tier, and the difference between the mid and the top in the fun belt can be big sometimes, and this is one of those times that it's big. <laughs> um. We have the nightcap now, the college game day game. Notre Dame, fresh off a loss at home to the Ohio State, uh, taking on number 18, Duke, at Duke in Durham. Uh, 5.30 p.m. on ABC, obviously. Big-time big game. Notre Dame favored by five and a half. Is Duke ready for the next level of football? Justin, yay or nay? Oh, it would have been so much funnier if – Notre Dame had beaten Ohio State and lost to Duke the week <laughs> after. And then you could argue that by the transitive property, Duke is better than Ohio State. Oh, my goodness, that would have been hilarious. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame, after kind of a letdown, I do not think um, will let itself let down again. I think Notre Dame defeats Duke, though I do think it is the game will be closer than the five-and-a-half-point spread suggests. I think this uh, Notre Dame-Duke game will end in a field goal difference going toward Notre Lame. 
I am right there with you, but on the opposite side. I think it's going to be close. I think Duke comes out on top. I think Notre Dame, they don't know what their strengths are. They were running the ball so well against Ohio State, and then they'd like, I they would have a brain fart and try and throw the ball six times. They, I don't know. I think Duke is equipped to handle this team. I think they handled Clemson fairly well. Yes, they got the good turnovers and the missed field goals um, in the red zone, but I just I think they have the confidence. I think they have the dudes to to put up with Notre Dame's guys. I don't think there's a big enough disparity here uh, for it to really, really have a huge favor. Definitely not five and a half points in Notre Dame's favor. Um, I'm going with the home team. I'm going with Duke. I think that football field is going to be full for like the first time since, uh, well, I guess they played there against Clemson, but still um, I'm, I'm excited for this game. I, I genuinely am. I think Duke is a good football program uh, and I think they come out on top. I think they're going to beat Notre Dame. The first time Duke has started out 4-0 in back-to-back years since 1914-1915. That's kind right. of a big deal. Kind of a that big deal big. for the Dukies. Dukies. All right. up, we got to finish it off. This Let's is the most it. important game, the game that you have all been waiting for. Friday night, don't forget it, Friday night at 8.15 p.m. on the mothership ESPN. Cincinnati will be traveling to Provo, Utah to take on the BYU Cougars, who are favored by two and a half points at home. Jared, I think I know who you picked to win this game. Tell me your score prediction. This is a tough one because I want to have faith in BYU's offense. I really do. I just don't. It is nowhere to be found. There's not even a mustard seed of faith in this offense. So I'm going to go 24 to 17 here. Low scoring affair. Um, you know, what? I'm actually going to change. I'm going 24, 14. I think we win by two scores. I don't think it's super close, but I think it's just one of those ugly rock fight defensive battles where we're excited that we won, but there's not really a lot of highlights to watch, if that makes sense. Fair enough. I think BYU's offense will play somewhat well. They'll have a lot of juice from the crowd. Cincinnati has no clue what it's coming into on a Friday night in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I think BYU takes home a sloppy, albeit good victory, 34-13. to Ooh, I would very much like that. I think I would feel very, very comfortable if we did win 34-13. to That would install a lot of faith in me. That, That 13, by the way. This two field goals, R34, does include a missed extra point. <laughs> Good clarification there. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. All right, well, uh, I think that wraps it up, unless you have any uh, parting thoughts. Very excited for conference weekend. A lot of good football to watch in between sessions, and while the sound is on the big TV with uh, old white men talking to us, right? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I mean, it could be Elder Gong. True, true. It could be. <laughs> could be um yeah this is going to be a good weekend lots of football like jared was saying you got conference going on as well um this is us giving you guys permission to pay attention to college football on saturday okay you do not have to say oh i am a saint i will not watch any college football on saturday if that's what you want to do go for it absolutely but um also pay a little bit of attention to the conference as well Good things are said in conference, things that we should probably know, things that the Lord wants us to hear. Uh, so, yeah, um, like Jared was saying, just leave the audio on. Heck, 
I think maybe even just play it on Alexa or something, you know, play conference on Alexa, have football up on your TV, kick back and allow the spirit of God and the football gods to work in your heart simultaneously. I, that was beautifully put. I can't do any better than that, Justin. That was beautiful. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. And with that, we will see you next time. Make sure to check out the weekend watch guide. I will make sure to have that up. Um, yeah, I've, it's going to be an awesome weekend. So uh, everybody get ready. Get your popcorn ready, as now banned Le- Lane Kiffin would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal to Royal Pod. Leave a review on the episode on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever other platform you be, be listening to the show on. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Toodaloo. Goodbye now.